Hello everyone and welcome to Work With Purpose, a podcast about the Australian public service. My name is David Pembroke. Thanks for joining me. We begin today by paying our respects to the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet today, the Ngunnawal and Ngambri peoples, and pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. And indeed, we pay respects to all traditional owners on the lands of which this podcast will be listened to today. So today we go back to April of this year where we had a conversation about rebuilding trust in the Australian public service after robo-debt. The episode features Dr Gordon de Brower, who was then the Secretary for APS Reform and is now the Australian Public Service Commissioner, and also Cathy Lee, who is the Head of Service and Director General of the Chief Minister Treasury and Economic Development Directorate in the ACT Government. It was a conversation post-robo-debt, and we looked at the challenges of robo-debt for the Australian Public Service, and indeed how it could use its value of integrity to rediscover perhaps some of the courage and pride required uh, in the work of Australian Public Service to address these challenges uh, around integrity. It is an episode that remains relevant today and remains relevant for all time, integrity in the public service. So let's have a listen. It was a great conversation. Gordon, Work With Purpose is a podcast that has long celebrated the achievements of the Australian public service and its people. As a long-standing, respected and current senior leader in the APS, what are your reflections on the Robo-Debt Royal Commission? Thanks very much, David. I'm I'm talking here today as the Secretary for Public Sector Reform, and so I was asked by the government to lead work on reform, Uh, and the robo-debt and other inquiries have raised a number of issues uh, about how the sector works with government and with the public. Uh, The Royal Commission's still underway, and, and we're waiting for its final report, but there are a couple of things that do come out from the uh, from the from the hearings so far, and I, and I think when I'm talking here, uh, th- there are really three audiences actually that, that, that are listening. So I'm sorry for, to do the preamble on this, but uh, the the first is the the people who are directly affected by by the policy and, and the public in, in general. Um, the the second are the public service as a whole. Uh, and then thirdly, the public servants who are directly involved and their colleagues. So the three audiences are all listening to what we're talking about. And, and I think my reflection as we talk about the issues that we do so with a focus on integrity, but also on, on empathy uh, with, what, with what happened. So I, I think especially in thinking around the general public and, and the people who are directly affected by, by the policy, I'm personally deeply sorry for what the public service did to them. I think what we're really looking for here is that once the findings and recommendations are out, and when we know what the judgments are, what the call is, that the public service can take responsibility for what it did, um, that uh, we seek the learnings and we make the changes in a sense we look to the future. I think what we can see is that to some degree, the service, parts of the service at times have lost its soul, lost its focus on people, its empathy for people. Uh, We'll need to 
reflect on how we discharged our legal and ethical responsibilities un under law, um, in, including in our leadership, and we'll need to examine and act to strengthen our systems, including training and performance management across the service, to ensure that what we've seen so far isn't repeated. In your work leading the APS reform, two of the priorities are about integrity in the APS and they are about putting the Australian people at the centre of the work of the APS. Is it just a coincidence that the reform lines up with some of the the, the issues that have been uh, come about as a result of the Royal Commission? So I, I think the, the reform priorities of the government weren't dictated by the reflections and experience of robo-debt, and again, we're still awaiting the findings. But what robo-debt has captured are things that people can see across the service in general. It comes down to the nature of how do you provide advice? How, how, how much do you have to deliver uh, as opposed to thinking about ethical issues? Uh, the, the, those sorts of elements. So it, the, the robo-debt proceedings so far have highlighted issues that are around in the public service that we know about, and they, they, they reinforce the need for reform. So, so could you go as far as to say that in terms of integrity, that there is a systemic issue in the Australian public service? The government, in terms of defining its priorities, started with integrity. And, and a lot of that conversation started around how do we adjust and, and think around having a national anti-corruption authority? How are the behaviours of the service, how do we really have good behaviour? I think we've had a number of reviews and assessments of integrity over time, and we've got another report that came out over the weekend around procurement. So we know there's an issue uh, that occurs in different parts. I'm, I'm quite reluctant to say it's an intrinsic problem because a lot of public servants act with integrity, mm. uh, and a lot of people take that really seriously. I mean, so it's, a, it's an existential thing, and I think... Now, the, the things that define a public servant that differentiate them are often that they're deeply driven by public value and public purpose, and they do that w with integrity. Hmm. So, Cathy Lee, um, for you, I, I ask you the same question, really, in terms of your reflections on the RoboDebt Royal Commission as uh, a senior leader in the Australian Public Service. Well, just picking up on what Gordon said, I think um, we can be very proud of our ICT public service. There is a deep sense of um, service to the community there, but we can never rest on our laurels. And I think we've got an ongoing responsibility to constantly ensure that there is a deep understanding across the public service of the proper role um, as public servants. How difficult is it to act with courage and to act with integrity and to be consistent in that behaviour, in the environments that public servants find themselves sometimes? I think you need to start by framing it in terms of our role. And we have a key role in representative democracy. And so if you start there, your role is to support the government of the day, the government that the community have chosen. But you need to do that impartially because the community and the government needs to trust that you will equally support whichever government the community elects. And you need to be able to give objective advice. You need to be able to point out to ministers not just the upsides of the things they'd like to do, but also the downsides and the risks. And of course, when you do that, you don't just point out the downsides, you talk about 
alternative ways of achieving their objectives, ways that you can mitigate the downsides. People might think it sounds, you know, courageous to say to a minister, there's a downside to what you want to do. But I think um, most ministers, when they see that you're genuinely trying to identify alternatives and assist them to achieve their objectives, they appreciate that you're doing that so that you give them an opportunity up front to get it right um, rather than um, it exploding later. Um, so I, I think it is, to me, it is a, a sort of 101 public service that we should all have a clear framework that, that enables us to do that. And so in your experience, Gordon, obviously you've been in these types of positions giving advice perhaps that is uncomfortable, contrary. What is your advice to people as to how they can best manage that particular challenge as part of their jobs? Yeah, I think as Cathy said, it's a it's a key part. It's a feature of the job. It's a defining it's a defining task. And I, I think, frankly, most people do do it. Uh, there are different ways to do it. There are different ways of providing saying no or providing alternatives. And often it's constructive, as Cathy said. I, I was very struck when I was first appointed as secretary, and, and Prime Minister Abbott called the secretaries together and said. I want you to give me your full and frank advice because, frankly, you're useless to me if you don't. Because w- what do I need people who just say yes? Uh, exactly. Actually, my experience is that most ministers uh, do appreciate the advice. They do want it in private and they don't want you, um, in a sense, advertising your difference or disagreements. So that's where some of the concerns and fears around FOI periodically come up. But they do want it. I have found that the really important bit, though, and, and going, having gone through the Home Insulation Royal Commission, you have to put your advice in writing. And if your advice in, isn't in writing, then actually when it comes down to the crunch, it's arguable to say that it never really existed. And that's one of the abiding lessons for the service is put your advice in writing. That's not a way necessarily of advertising it everywhere. There, there are protections, especially legal, legal incompetence is a key one, and, and restricted, restricted circulation. But advice in writing is really important. Cathy, mm. there was plenty of evidence that revealed a number of public servants were uncomfortable with the process but didn't speak up. The ATO advised the Department of Social Services that the scheme was unlawful and even government lawyers questioned its legality. Why do you think that happened and how can the APS create a culture where that doesn't happen and doesn't happen again or doesn't happen frequently? I think the word culture is the key. Um, I think there are lots of things that we must do to make sure that the public service has a very strong understanding of what its role is. Um, And they go to all sorts of things. You can put it in legislation as we've done, policies. You need constant training. You need constant promotion. You need people that um, staff can go to for advice. For example, in the ACT, every directorate has a senior executive who's responsible for integrity. And you can go to that person to get advice or you can go to them to raise concerns that you have. Um, But ultimately, you can have all those formal measures and they're absolutely necessary. But in the end, you need senior leaders to walk the talk and to be known for their integrity. And the more that the senior leadership do that, the more it becomes the culture and the more it becomes self-sustaining. I think there's a real um, boiling frog 
issue and you need the boiling frog to be on the right, to be boiling the right way so that it is promoting um, integrity and making it the norm around here. It's an interesting um, reflection perhaps from Cathy's answer and, and Gordon, you are indeed a member of the Secretary's Board, a member of that senior leadership um, group in, in the Australian Public Service. How how have they reacted? How have those secretaries reacted to, to the Robo-Debt Royal Commission? Well, I, I think uh, that'll come out when we've got a, a final report. Okay. So the, uh, that's really the point there. But it's an issue, you know, it's, it's talked a lot around the service and, and it matters to people. And I think people see people who actually acted with courage through that process they also see just how easy it is to be the frog in the boiling pot of um, if you get a bit of pressure about asking questions, if there's a bit of discussion or a view, what's the, what's the nature of hierarchy? Is hierarchy a way to enable people to do their job and, and take responsibility and take, make decisions? Or is hierarchy a device to control and tell people to direct them? That those sorts of discussions really matter and setting the tone and having actually continual conversations, as Cathy said, is really important. Mm. What about trust out of all of this as well, given that it's so fundamental, Cathy, to civil society and perhaps people reflecting? Gordon articulated the audiences who are listening today and that core fundamental value of trust is, is required by the public service so it can acquit its duties. How do you rebuild that trust? Um, I think in the end, communication and two-way engagement is the answer to, to many issues. I think we need to be open and transparent. We need to be upfront and acknowledge when something goes wrong and when we do something wrong. Uh, we need to talk about the way it should have been handled so that we can be clear to everyone about what the right way of doing things would look like. Um, we need to talk about how we're going to remedy the problem that's been caused and how we're going to put in place measures to really um, minimise the risk that the same thing could ever happen again. Uh, I think if you're genuine and you're really engaged with people, that is you're listening and acting, then um, people will come with you. Mm. And Gordon, your views on, on restoring trust? I think Cathy said it, Cathy said it brilliantly. Um, it, it, if you want me to add to it, uh, I, it it's... Uh, Again, showing that you do your job well, and I think that's going back to you're good at policy advice, program implementation, service delivery, but you do it with the values and the behaviour that are required of public servants. So that's professional, ethical, respectful, open, impartial, and you show it and people can see it. I think being honest, actually, so important about, about regaining or, or growing trust. And I think actually showing empathy, showing that you, you, we are people, that at times we do our job really well and sometimes, like in COVID, like with the pandemic, like with how, how staff were moved around, and sometimes we don't do it so well. But we've got to, the only way you learn is if you're honest about it um, and then be human about it and frankly to all the people involved. So, Cathy, during um, the COVID-19 pandemic, we could really see, you know, nimble, effective public services uh, under great duress, and that was both at the uh, state and territory public services, and they were very responsive. 
How do you manage to balance that responsiveness to ministers' requests, but also at the same time maintain integrity? I think it probably comes back to what we were talking about. You really need to have deeply ingrained in the public service a really clear understanding of of the role of the public service in impartially supporting the government of the day. It needs to be the automatic default so that people don't need to stop and think about it. And, you know, it's not just when people are under pressure. Um, public services everywhere are trying to have flatter structures, so you have more junior staff t- taking decisions. Um, we're trying to bring people in from the outside at all levels who'll have less experience as public servants. So we really need to make a conscious effort to being making clear what our role is, what is appropriate, how we operate, and why that is so fundamentally important. And Gordon, for you, that balance between being responsive to ministers' requests whilst maintaining integrity? Uh, I'm really thinking of that ad that says, uh, por que no los dos? Uh, You can do both. (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, it's actually not that hard. Uh, The only way you can sustain delivery is if you've actually got the the right behaviours underpinning it that way you can sustain that delivery over time. So I, I just think myself, it just, it's to put them in, they're, they're not contradistinctions, they're not alternatives, they go together and they actually quite straightforwardly go together. And you, you these things on, on, when it comes to things like integrity, yeah, it's not a, it's not a woke concept. It's actually just the law. It's just a basic legal requirement on you doing your job. And but understanding that means that you can do the delivery, you can do all of that, but with with, in, with integrity. So trying to, to return to this question around culture and leadership and values across the APS and, and indeed the ACT public service as well, they're big organisations, they're diverse organisations, they're located in all different parts of Australia, providing different types of, of services to the Australian people. How do you go about lifting the, the capability and, you know, it's, it's a job that's never done, but how do you manage that to embed those positive leadership values um, to recognise them and incentivise them across the, the entire public sector? For you, to you, Gordon. First. So I, I, if you're looking for the structural response, so absolutely talking about it a lot is really important. I, I think there are two really big things structurally that you do and, and that actually that's part of the reform agenda that's that's underway now. One is that when you look at departments or agencies, you're asking the question, how does this agency perform on that? That's why the government has agreed and will be in legislation to have independent, transparent capability reviews that look at actually the outcomes and the behaviour of departments as a whole or agencies as a whole. So that's one structural feature. The other structural feature is in in, in setting the performance criteria and the performance management of of senior officials, but actually all all officials, and, and where that started is that you may it's, it's public knowledge that the the uh, chief operating officer committee, the coup committee, is looking at actually what's best practice across the Commonwealth Public Service on identifying what's good um, delivery and what's good behaviour. Uh, and, and having performance systems and management systems and career development systems that combine those equally so that they both matter and that the way you perform with both your, your delivery and the behaviours you exhibit matter to 
your your position in the service and your promotion, and actually whether you stay in the service. Um, so you, you build it in structurally in the performance and the career development. Mo most people, if, if they if if the culture says you know, uh, delivery and behaviours matter, most people will respond. The vast majority of people will respond very enthusiastically to that, and and that's the starting point. But you also need a performance management system that actually formally assesses it and, and frankly screens people out who, who can't engage on that. Mm. And Cathy, your, your yeah, views on Im embedding leadership, embedding values, other things in, into the culture? Yeah, very much agree with what Gordon said. Um, you need to start with your selection processes, make sure your criteria um, reflect these um, values. Um, the ACT um, selection criteria already include achieves results with integrity and we need to be very overt that um, what's meant by that. Um, formal appraisement, appraisal systems, again, um, not just focusing on outcomes but how they were achieved. Uh, in the end, poor behaviour isn't going to get you good outcomes overall. Um, so supporting poor behaviour and just focusing on outcomes isn't actually going to get the outcomes you want. So being clear that the way people are appraised is against how they achieve things. And then there are other things like staff awards, our ACT staff awards. Um, they're framed around our values. Respect and integrity are two of our four values. So you're just constantly messaging um, to the public service. Um, having compliance systems they won't guarantee anything, but they do signal that this is really important because we've got formal compliance systems in place. But then in the end, I do come back to the culture. And I think if people um, know that certain behaviours are valued, they'll respond, they'll step up to that. And you don't have to wait for the annual performance appraisal. It's the little things you do every day when you acknowledge somebody who behaved consistently um, despite the circumstances, somebody who treated everyone fairly, someone who went that extra mile to make sure that somebody who was in a more difficult position could equally enjoy a benefit that others were enjoying. Those signals go out every day and staff hear that, they repeat that, and they, they believe that it's important. I think the formal um, frameworks, again, it's a necessary, but it's those personal messages that people really believe and they know that it truly is, you know, how we behave around here, what we're, what we're proud of. So to you, Gordon, um, in her speech at the IPA National Conference last year, Minister Gallagher called for the APS to create a, quote, clear and inspiring purpose statement with a unified vision. Can you give us any insights into what that might look like? Yeah, th thanks. And it's a really uh, great thing that the Minister Gallagher uh, announced and it came from the Thody Review and it was an idea that actually the service has to own its purpose. Mm. And the, the you talk about a purpose over the next five years because even just the things that are going on with integrity and, and other things, there are lots of c current issues that, that play on what the service should do. Secretary's Board has had a discussion around this and agreed very firmly, it's a bottom-up process, not a top-down process, that we're going to draw over the next few months uh, 40 people from across the various, all the different parts of the service, geographically different policy, program, service delivery, different kinds of people, different kinds of backgrounds, uh, and they're going to work through what that purpose statement is. 
but do that in a very consultative and open and engaged way with the rest of the service. So it's a service-driven uh, idea of purpose. And that, that's a wonderful thing to do. And uh, go to the APS Reform website to participate <laughs> in it. And, and, and there'll be some direct communications with public servants about it. So I, I think it's a, it's a great thing. Uh, very encouraging, very positive. But if I might be a bit of a downer, though, to bring, you <laughs> back, to bring us back to uh, robo-debt. Um, at this early stage, as you say, Gordon, we don't have the findings. We don't know, you know, the you know the clear and specific recommendations, perhaps that will follow. But what have we learnt? What do you feel that we've learnt across this? And have you been surprised at the reaction inside the APS to to what has happened? I think many people express their disappointment with it, but there's also people can see but for the grace of God, go I on some, some of these aspects. They can see some of those same pressures that we talked about in their own workplaces and maybe things could have done differently. They also see people who actually acted with courage throughout that, people with leadership, people who took responsibility and they're inspired by that. They can also see that in some of these places, something bad happened but there are also places where lots of good happens. And that's where, for example, it was in some of those agencies where the, the response to the pandemic was brought home and very empathetic, very direct reaching into people's lives to help people. So it shows a mix of things about the service and it shows certainly where some of our strengths are, but also where some of our weaknesses are. And let's, let's, let's get in, be honest about that, but actually work out how do we repair and correct and make sure that doesn't happen in the past. And some of the structural things, the cultural things, the behaviour things uh, are, are all part of that. I think we do know that it's not just the outcomes, as I said, or delivery. It's also the behaviours that go with that. And they're very important. And again, they're not optional extras. They are the law. So I think we've had some really good conversations around that and how to, how to bring that in. So it's an extremely sad and tragic episode, I think, for many. But it's also a way to get something good. When, you, when bad things happen, can you get good out of them? And there's a lot of good in the public service. And there's a lot of good people, really good people in the public service. And how do we bring that and strengthen that and always demonstrate empathy and, and, and compassion for people in that, for the, for the members of the community, the public who are affected, but also actually for the public servants who are involved in it. And Cathy, for you? Yeah, I think um, the empathy point um, that Gordon's just made is really important. I think we need to be able to put ourselves in the shoes of all the different members of our community who are impacted by what government does. You can't give the best possible advice to government if you can't do that. I think that probably also goes to, to um, another issue we haven't really touched on, and that is the makeup of our public services and the importance of them being drawn from all parts of our community. Because how can we really be sure we've got the best public services if they, you know, if we've left out um, the great people in some part of our community, and who can bring all of those different perspectives to test um, what we're doing. So perhaps um, just to wrap up, um, if if I might ask both of you really to. 
perhaps take a lead from there in terms of that you know, diversity and inclusion about how we may strengthen the future public service. What does that modern, responsive, you know, adaptive public service look like, the best practice one that we, we would always be striving for or should always be striving for? Well, it needs to be um, there to serve the government that the people have elected, it, but it needs to be able to do it impartially. It needs to have all of those hard skills, analytical skills, professional skills, but it needs to be able to be responsive, to be able to jump to whatever the current challenge is, to be up for it, to be finding the solutions. It needs to be able to engage with the community so that it can really understand what's going to work on the ground. It needs to be able to then deliver on the ground, which again is about being able to properly engage with the community. Um, as I said, um, if we're not drawn from all parts of our community, we're less likely to have the skills to be able to do that. And finally, I think we will all be really proud of the difference that we make for our community. And Gordon, for you? Well, I think Cathy's words are uh, <laughs> been really, really good. Uh, have all of these things uh, worked? Uh, ministers say, gosh, the service is really good to, to work with because they understand the issues, they can put the context, they can explain, they can see how things are connected and work. And when it comes to their policy advice, their implementation and their service delivery, they're second to none. They know how to do it. They really are a great public service for me. And then the public, the community, business, go to ministers and say, gosh, your public service is great to work with, great to work, to engage with. They are really good to engage with. They listen to me. They help me solve my problems. They've got, they've got my interests at heart as well in finding solutions. They know what I'm trying it on, uh, but they, they, they're good to deal with and they really act with integrity. They know what they're doing and they act with integrity. Sounds good. <laughs> Hard to achieve? No, no. And, and why, would you ever, why would you ever settle for less, David? Mm. Here, here. Why? <laughs> Well, listen, um, Gordon DeBrower and Kathy Lee, thank you so much for enjoying, uh, joining me uh, on Work With Purpose for this first of many, I would imagine, important conversations about the impacts and understandings. But I think it's important to, as you say, uh, both have said that really to, to recognise and take from this what we can, not for a moment setting aside, you know, what has happened as a, a very serious um uh, episode of maladministration here in Australia, but certainly I think those remedies and positivity I think that uh, can be built on, and certainly I think here at Work with Purpose and at IPA there will be many conversations into the future as the public service continues to to grow and to reach for its potential. Best of luck, Gordon, with your ongoing work um, at the uh, reform office there inside Prime Minister and Cabinet. Thank you very much, David, and thank you, Cathy. And Cathy, to you. Uh, best of luck with your ongoing work as uh, leading and, and reforming the uh, ACT Public Service. Thank you, David, and thank you, Gordon. And a big thanks to you, the audience, for coming back once again for this very important conversation. Um, please follow Content Group and IPA ACT on LinkedIn. And if you do have a question, um, an email to events at act.ipa.org.au. Uh, Work With Purpose is a collaboration between Content Group and the Institute of Public Administration of Australia, ACT, proudly supported by the Australian Australian 
Public Service Commission. If you do get a chance to give us a rating or a review on your favourite podcast platform, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, wherever, it does help the program uh, to be found. So we would appreciate that. And there are a number of great reviews out there. So thank you very much uh, for those. And indeed, there are a number I think it's more than 80-plus episodes now of Work With Purpose, um, which, as I say, has been to really shine the light on the Australian public service over the last few years, and hasn't it been great fun to deliver those programs uh, over those last few years? And long may it continue. But anyway, on behalf of the IPA ACT team, the team at Content Group, thanks very much for joining us. My name's David Pembroke. We'll be back at the same time in a fortnight. But for the moment, it's bye for now. Work With Purpose is a production of Content Group in partnership with the Institute of Public Administration Australia and with the support of the Australian Public Service Commission. 